um, Josh now to talk about the other lot of cuts which are looming in local councils. Um, so, um, okay, Josh, do you want to tell us about what's happening there? Well, hopefully so. What I'm going to do is uh, copy a couple of links into the chat, um, which if you zone out for whatever reason, you can pretty much absorb everything I'm about to say from those three articles. Um, though I hope to keep your attention. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm a, a county councillor in Hertfordshire. Um, I live in Stevenage, um, although I'm not part of the Stevenage Borough Council, which I'm going to spend a little bit of time speaking about today. I just happen to be a councillor in the same area because of the weird way that local government is tiered in different parts of the country. Um, so uh, seven minutes-ish is how, how long I'm planning to speak for um, about cuts in local government. So the context, prior to the pandemic, um, you know, we've had uh, a Tory government for the last 10 years uh, annually slashing council budgets. Okay, uh, This like decade of austerity has, has really left councils cash-strapped. And that's not to say that under New Labour there weren't also big um, outsourcing efforts to bring the market in to take over as much as possible of local services, but under the Tories this was accelerated alongside quite swinging budget cuts. Um, so last year the local government association um, at the LGA, the Labour section of that, uh, initiated a, a campaign um, called Breaking Point. Um, and as part of that, they announced some uh, statistics and they said, you know, and, and this was last year, we need eight billion pounds just to stand still by 2025. So assuming that nothing changed, councils in the next five years needed at least eight billion quid to continue with the level of services that are currently in operation. Okay. And then this pandemic hits. Um, now, this has had an enormous impact on councils, and there are, you know, three main reasons for that. The first of which is council tax income has, has fallen quite dramatically. As people switch to universal credit, they don't uh, pay as much in council tax. In Stevenage, for example, I think council tax uh, income has fallen by about a quarter which is a lot of money uh, when you're talking of tens of thousands of people. Uh, business rates uh, that are paid to councils have effectively gone to zero because most of them are shut. And uh, it sounds a little bit silly, a bit menial, but car parks where councils make a lot of money now have basically been shut for the last eight weeks, 10 weeks. And no one's driving around. No one's going to be putting money in parking meters that councils pick up on. Um, and you've got other situations where councils have gone in uh, into sort of private um, uh, private partnerships with uh, with with uh, with companies to um, to basically make some fast cash and the situation just down the road from where I live in Luton where the council have a, a big stake in the airport well if the airport shuts for 10 weeks as it pretty much has done I, I would know because the flights come over my house every day at a frequency of five minutes or so um, when that shut down, it's uh, about a month ago, they announced that this has led to about a £49 million deficit. Now, that's Luton Council on its own. Um, I mean, there's probably a big thing to be said about a Labour Council going hand in hand with a private airport to fund its services. But anyway, um, if we add all of that sort of stuff together, 
Um, across England, there is an existing shortfall of about three and a half billion pounds. Now, um, it wouldn't take, uh, and, it, and it, has been, it has been looked at, it doesn't take much to say, okay, well, what would happen if that existing shortfall that we're facing now uh, was expanded towards the end of the year? Because some of the things I've said where money is not coming in, there's no short-term fix for that. You know, you've got to, you can't, you can't just uh, magic businesses back up to um, the sorts of, uh, you know, economic activity that they were seeing like three or four months ago. You can't, um, for example, find, as we've just been saying, um, like sufficient numbers of jobs in, uh, that, that, that people aren't going to need the same level of universal credit anymore and they'll be paying council tax back at the same rate. So um, it shouldn't take much to you know, believe that this three and a half billion shortfall now is going to be something more like 13 billion pounds as it's estimated to be by the end of the year. Now, that is a lot of money and I don't think it's too unrealistic an estimate to say, well, even if they're a few billion short, we're probably looking at 10 billion pounds plus the local government needs just to fix the crisis due to COVID. Um, now the Guardian uh, spoke about this two weeks ago and they sort of said a figure of, you know, 20% service cuts to local government. Now, what does 20% mean? Um, some research that, uh, that looked at said, okay, well, 20% service cuts, what, what might that mean? And if you assume that we don't touch social care provision, now, social care eats up big, big major the big majority of what councils spend their money on. Um, and I think at the moment, it would probably be um, impossible to look at that area as somewhere where budget cuts would fall, given the situation faced in, so in, in, in the care system. But let's say, therefore, that you, you don't change the social care uh, funding. Um, this could lead to councils closing all their libraries, selling them off. It could lead to the ending of all planning control work. It could lead to all children's centres, leisure centres being like closed or sold off to, to private industries. Now, not only is that, you know, a lot of jobs, as we've been talking about, that are probably just going to go. Um, that's a lot of things that are actually really quite important. I don't probably need to go into the need of like the, the necessity uh, sur surrounding children's centres and libraries. But, you know, we take a lot of these things for granted um, the sorts of cuts that we're looking at now uh, could lead to their complete closure across certain areas of the country. Now, all of this takes into account the few billion that the government's already tried to plug um, this, this problem with. So um, this is coming two phases. Uh, now, the first phase, the government said, look, here's a billion and a half quid uh, councils across the country go and do what you need to right now we don't want any of you to collapse and I think that's probably fair I don't think the government right now does want to see councils collapsing uh, but put into context the amount that was given out in the first round Stevenage is a town of 80,000 people Stevenage council was given 50 grand now could 60 70 pence per person fix the sort of crisis uh, in funding that we're seeing well absolutely not now, admittedly, in the second round of funding, which came a few weeks later, they got about 900 grand, which is obviously then a bit more. You can, you can do something with 900 grand, right, for 80,000 people. You can't do much with 50 grand. But let's now compare that to the amount that Stevenage Council itself has said we're short of. And at the moment, that's four and a half million quid, and they expect that to double by the end of the year. Um, now, if 
after two rounds of funding, which total several billion, uh, local councils like Stevenage are still saying, look, we've only had a fifth of the money that we've spent given back to us. We had at the start of the crisis, the government saying, spend what you need to, we've got to, you know, basically, uh, don't worry about the cost. We will, we will fund that. They've completely reneged on that. Um, and what it's left councils in the situation, as in Stevenage and elsewhere, is that they're going to have to basically issue what is called a Section 114 notice, which um, I won't bore you with the absolute details of, but it basically means they have to declare they're bankrupt and um, call on the civil service to, to come in and take over, come in and implement the cuts that are needed such that we can't, uh, such that we, ha we, we don't issue a, a deficit budget because, you know, that's illegal. Um, you know, we can argue about the merits of whether or not councils right now saying, you know, we might need to issue a section 114 if you don't give us this money. It's a tactic that's being employed in some places, but that's not to say that the threat of councils en masse across the country going bankrupt isn't real, because it really is. Um, the only thing that can really fix that is a lot of money very quickly. Um, hopefully the urgency there is, is sort of uh, is sort of made clear. So, you know, what can we do about this, right? Because I think that's important. You know, all of this is happening and it, and it can feel like there's nothing that we can do, but I'm, but I'm convinced that there is. And I, th and I think this is something that we should, you know, give, give a lot of thought to because over the next few months, as is the case in higher education, as is the case in local councils across the public sector and the private sector, we're going to have to fight these cuts. So, you know, what tactics could we employ? And I think we have to start on the basis of saying that we outright oppose any service cuts. Okay. We outright oppose any job losses for those people who run these day-to-day -day services. And by that, I mean that I had the clarification that, you know, if a few senior managers lost their post, I'm not going to cry about that. But I will be angry if the crisis is dealt with, with, you know, sacking librarians, fire staff and closing down children's centre, because that cannot be the solution. Um, and I think what we need to do, therefore, is really start to coalesce the forces in, in and around local government. And by which I mean councillors and I mean uh, um, uh, local council workers. And we need to build them together in some form of campaign that can actually resist this onslaught that's coming. Um, you know, there are, there are reasons why over, you know, the last few years, campaigns like this have or have not been successful um, in relation to, you know, bu budget cuts going through unopposed by, you know, labour groups. And I think there are reasons due to, you know, councillors being low on confidence, uh, not really having uh, an organisation within which they can say, look, what are we going to do about this? I think the same is true in local government for local government workers having moribund union branches that aren't prepared to fight. I think Dave made clear some of the cases of this, this happening in Unite. Well, this is clearly the case in unison in some local government branches as well, although not all. And there are some good examples of, uh, of, of local government branches fighting. Um, so what we need really is to bring these people together and say, look, what are we going to do about this? Um, I think throughout the crisis, and I'm going to try and summarise here, Martin, um, we've really emphasised um, this aspect of social need. You know, we've, we've spoken about key workers, about things that have to be done. OK, and what councils do on the whole is entirely based on, you know, the need for this provision to exist. And I think we should be um, should be quite clear that these things are needed. You know, we do need our libraries. We do need our children's centres. We do need our, our fire service and all these things that are run and managed by councils. 
and that we're not prepared for them to go anywhere. And we, and we make the case that, you know, our society can afford this. You know, it's not like we don't live in a rich country and that there are plenty of people who we can take this wealth off and fund these services so that we all don't lose them. Um, I think we need to be making demands around public ownership and at a local level, this is, this is quite clear and social care for, as an example of that, the way that the fragmentation over the last, you know, two, even three decades of this service has gone ahead has led to our ability to respond to this crisis, to be in a worsened state. If we'd had a publicly owned and worker managed care system um, that was fully funded and not piecemeal on, you know, sticking plasters given out by on the whims of government every time a crisis hits, we would have been in a far better place to manage this. And I think we need to be making that argument clearly and now um, and not wait until after this crisis has sort of gone away in the immediate term to think about the sorts of things that we should be advocating. So to summarise, I think then there, there are sort of three main points. Um, local government funding uh, was already in a terrible place. But this crisis has made it, uh, I mean, it, it kind of blown out of the water. It's doubled the figures, at least, that local government needed to keep running. Um, and quite frankly, the consequences of not fighting that um, on our class are catastrophic. I think, therefore, that without any sort of organised resistance, without bringing together people to say, right, we're not going to accept this, the situation, in, even in the next year, looks dire, let alone the next two to three years and so forth. Um, and on that basis, uh, we should build a big uh, fighting campaign to try and sort this out. So I'll end there. <laughs>